The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Good morning, you're listening to the Deadline Report. I mean, Virgin Investigates, care of Fresh FM, the greatest radio station in the South Island and probably all the known media universes. Today, I'm going to talk about climate change. Now, I don't normally cover this topic because uh, it's one of those things which I just, I find bizarre. You know, you have people run around going, oh, climate change, oh, it's definitely happening, oh, and you've got people running around going, climate change, oh, no, no, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. I think I probably know about two, maybe three people who I think are actually academically qualified enough to actually even understand the math behind the claims behind carbon uh, change and I'm not one of them and unlike a lot of my colleagues in the media and and not in the media I kind of really feel uncomfortable commenting about whether something's true about or not when I don't actually understand the topic and I prefer not to and I won't just go along with something just because well that's what everyone else believes I also find that the, the climate change issue is very much like a lot of issues that take place at the moment where people get very, very hot under the collar about topics which actually require a lot of technical understanding and yet suddenly they feel like they alone understand it better than anybody else on the planet and they will argue almost literally to the death about these topics and there is I won't even name them because there's a long list of this stuff and you can just go to social media any day to to see what I'm talking about it does occur to me however when I, I do issue with the climate change one of the things I find very interesting about it is that I became very interested in this topic way back in the 1980s when my father imported ski equipment and this was became an issue in our household because, of course, our family, our literally our livelihoods, depended on snow. And we were discussing and not really paying like, that much attention, but we were in the late late 1980s. And I think it was probably in my last year at university that it became real because my father came back from uh, Europe and he basically announced that no ski field under 1,200 metres, about 3,600 feet, 3,900 feet, would be open to insurance anymore. And that was largely going to put a lot of ski fields out of business because the melting snow flows meant that they weren't sustainable. And there was another level of statistics and stats that came out relating to the ski industry, which pretty much all set in motion my, my own father's decision to largely get out of the ski industry. At the same time, I had a sister that was at that time dating an Air Force pilot, and he was talking about the lakes that he was seeing appear in Antarctica, which he'd never seen before. And from there in the late 80s, early 90s, you've seen uh, you know, articles appear about great big cracks appearing in Antarctica. Now, the thing is that what I found very interesting was that I would talk to people at university who were doing different degrees, science, law, blah, 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 and about this topic. And not a lot of people, the overall overall feeling at university, the high levels of education, the supposedly intelligence elites of the, of the society, was um, 
oh yeah global warming yeah yeah maybe oh well you know we'll wait till what the experts say and no one's no one's really come out on that hard and fast and and yet today uh, and there's one particular person I can think of out the same people who would refer to me as being a kind of greeny loony because I said well no I think climate change is something we really need to take really important it's going to have huge impacts upon our geopolitical politics if you can imagine a country like Indonesia where it doesn't require you know the sea levels to go up meters and meters even half a half a meter will have an impact during your monsoon seasons on the rice crops which is the basic food stop of a country of 220 million I think um you know, they rely on this for their food stock. So if it gets affected, then you've got an awful lot of people um, actually displaced food, and then that affects the entire geopolitical stability and national security of the entire region, which, as that's actually one of our closest neighbours, is probably something we should be concerned about. And, in fact, that theme I roll out came out of a document or a fictional drama called uh, the Paper Man, which was basically kind of back in the day when television actually did decent drama, but it was a drama on or parody on the rise of the of newspaper magnets in the vein of, of Packer and Murdoch and showing how much influence that the actual national media actually did actually have on our, our particular mindset or our, you know, what the, what the people believed affected the power on the politics. Now, these same people who were telling me like, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it today, they are the most ardent climate Fanatics. One of them is actually principal, and, and he all ideas, anything that came down to the government, he was he's got the t-shirt, he's got the bumper fucking sticker. And back then, this guy didn't really give that much of a crap, and he didn't really study that much more. And I know that he actually hasn't learnt any more science now than then than than he has now. But yet, he will adamantly maintain that he knows more about this topic than me, and he's more online because he's got the press releases, and they must be correct. The thing that sort of gets me is that. When you start to look at this in terms of, of formulaic media, breaking it down into like, you know, an algebra, it'd be like apples and oranges. You have a situation where you've got this basic model which boils down to one group of people in society saying, oh, there's no such thing as, as climate change. It's all an invention of the, of the global elite and the ones that run the pharmaceutical big pharma and the big, big tech, tech companies, they're all making climate change to you know, to control us, to make us do what they want. And then on the other side of the equation, you've got the people that are saying, no, 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 climate change is definitely happening. It's, you know, permafrost are melting at an 100% rate and there's terrible trophicities and the flood levels are rising. You know, the only reason the people are denying are the people that are in the, in the grips or the, the fools that are in the, in the, in the hands of the, of the big oil companies. So what you have in both these cases is an argument that says that the problem boils down to a section of society which has an undue economic influence. So in actual fact, what we're arguing about here, or not, in fact what we're not arguing about, is that what both parties are saying is that the real issue is that we have a section of society that actually has excessive amount of economic clout. Now, that's, that should really be the real issue at stake here. It's actually, what's killing the planet is not necessarily the climate change. What's killing the planet, in both equations, under both scenarios, is the people that have excessive power and excessive wealth. 
Now that's not even a conspiracy theory. Both sides agree, everybody agrees on this. You go to the business pages, newspapers, it tells you, oh, these are people that, you know, tells you quite blatantly. There's 0.1% of the population out there that control over 50% of the resources. And all that 0.1, 8% control 50% of those resources. We're literally, in the, my lifetime, have gone from talking about the 10% of the people, the 10 percenters, to we're now talking about the 0.1 percenters. So the issue when we're dealing with climate change isn't actually the ecology. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. But the issue is the fact that on our planet, we have a group of people that have an excessive amount of wealth. Now, I don't know a great deal about carbon mathematics and I don't claim to. I, I can show you examples where I look at the mythology and say, well, I've got questions about some of this methodology because I think things like the, the Essex and Anglican study, actually there are questions to be raised about it. But I can equally show you a number of studies and falls where it's been caught with literally fossil fuels have been caught basically trying to uh, cover up the impact that, that the fossil fuel industry is causing upon our environment. And I think one of the things, you know, I personally believe that one of our biggest problems, way bigger than climate change, is we have a pollution problem. We have anywhere, cyanized PCCs, microplastics, radiation, uh, depleted uranium, the list goes on of poisons, which we we are soaking. Look, New Zealand. New Zealand is a classic example. Go and look at our stomach cancer rates, which will confirm to you that we have an excess of our sores being nitrates, leading to bacteria and algae, which are not good for us, which have largely fueling these cancer rates. Oh, it's literally. And in a very short time, it's predicted that 50% of all women will get cancer. One in two women will get cancer. And most of the majority of it will be stomach-based cancer. So the reality is, as I'm concerned, without having to know about the mathematics, is, is that with the world didn't have an excess of people going out there making excess amounts of profit from industries which aren't particularly pleasant to the planet, pretty certain that the climate issue would largely resolve itself. And as I said, I sort of think it's like that's more important because you can argue about whether climate change is taking place or not. But going back to our original argument, is the issue is the fact that we have people who are living lifestyles which they are consuming excess amounts of resources and the consequences of their lifestyles, the billionaires, is that they are poisoning this planet. And they are causing wars. And they are causing poverty. And that is being brought upon by man's economical system and not necessarily, what I'm trying to say is that the planet very much may well be a problem. And the climate changers believe this is the case. And they believe that, oh, we've got to stop doing consuming fossil fuels. I take it a step further. I go, we've got to stop consuming. As long as we have a society which believes that, that you can have corporates that make unlimited profits every year. The goal of a profit corporation is to make unlimited profits. It's not going to happen. You cannot have a climate change response which has global climate change partners, Chevron Oil, BP, and Shell, and go and have a look. They're all there. And then you've got companies like DuPont and Bayer Pharmaceuticals, which again, we get into the GMOs and all, but that's not the only thing. They're in the whole process of synthetic fuels and they're as much tied to fossil fuels. You don't think that the fossil fuel industry can't survive, can operate without the help of the pharmaceutical industry? 
which in turn, you don't think that those industries can't fucking operate without the support of the military-industrial complex? They are by nature symbiotic. One cannot operate without the other. The entire system itself is the issue. So we'll have a little bit of a break while we just consider that one, and I think we're going to play Money Too Short to Mention.
You're on the deadline report with Ben Fidget Investigates, uh, and today I'm talking about climate change. And t- today, the sort of thing that came into my head was I saw some meme and it turned around and said, There are more people dying. In fact, it wasn't a meme, I think it was actually a mainstream article, but it was a uh, There are more people dying because of the response to climate change, the climate change response, than there are people dying of climate change. And it started off this, this, the meme or the, the show that you're listening to. Yeah, your question's like, Glow, the rant. It started off the show uh, that we're having today. I didn't read the article, I didn't need to, and I said, of course, in the case, the question was, the mathematics, does it, I don't need to know whether climate change per se is happening, when I, as a journalist, you know, it, it's a, a model which has served me very, very well in the past, and I've covered, you know, court trial events, and it's the whole situation, the rule law of, 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 of uh, deduction is, you know, when faced with two opposing experts of equal supposedly credibility, how do you normally deduce, how does the layman normally deduce who is more likely to be speaking the truth? And it boils down to the issue of motivation, so that when there is money involved, the motivating factor is the money. So when we look at, at, at the issue of the climate change response, the, the way that the world has gone about, when I say the world, I mean the political structure of the world has gone about getting people to combat climate change and have these symposiums in places like Davos, is by getting all the billionaires together to discuss the economic opportunities provided by climate change. And therein lies my my, need, my, my my first alarm bill is that when you have a climate change response, which is basically saying, we're gonna come up with a climate change response which allows us to carry on the same out of control addiction, because there is no other word for it, of consumption, and so that we can fly to these climate change, and this is a very good point, yeah, and, I, and the elite hate this point, but it's because it's a truism. When they fly to these conferences in Learjets and they eat $45 hot dogs and they eat, stay at $10,000 a night hotel rooms and you realise that this has got nothing to do with protecting the environment or providing the planet so it is a fair place for, to live not just for the human race but all the sentient creatures that live upon it and the responses to climate change more than often than not are actually not responses at all, they are simply image laundering there at the uh, they're the essence of appearing to be seen to do good while you continue to make profit and you continue to make profit by doing so by gross exploitation of the planet's resources and its species and, and of course that includes the human race itself and those are the facts of climate change and it doesn't matter whether you believe that that your climate change is a reality or you believe that climate change is just a tool of slavature the point is, it's the same outcome. Regardless, you're actually arguing at cross-purposes. You all ultimately, fundamentally agree, and I'll promise that point home again and again and again, that it's the system itself that is at fault, and it's the system itself that needs to be confronted and changed. We are living on a planet now of 8 billion people, and probably we could handle 20 billion but the, the, the issue in terms of humanity is not how many humans are on the planet it is how we're sharing our resources and as we continue to share our resources in a way where we can still actually have excessive billionaires owning multiple super luxury yachts is just obscene and that has to be dealt with and that has to be confronted and so when you have systems that are trying to create uh, climate change issues where the idea is that the climate change carbon tax is effectively taxing the wider population while the elite continue to get tax exemptions, while the elite continue to have tax havens, 
you know there's something seriously not right with this particular picture. And what I find very, very interesting about so many of these issues is that if we took, for example, the COVID, uh, during the COVID uh, situation, again, we were, we were confronted very much with the same issue with the climate change. It's like what we're dealing with is, isn't the issue about whether or not COVID is a killer or COVID isn't, isn't a killer. It's an issue about what was the response to COVID. We decided that instead of creating a global initiative where there would be total accountability and total transparency and not one single person was going to be allowed to make a, a, a dollar out of this because it was the human race was at stake and that should have been more important than people's profits. Or we could have gone out and made a, a COVID response which actually allowed the wealth index to change so that instead of people talking about one percenters, we started to talk about 1.1 percenters because there's drastic massive amounts of money being made by a very few amount of people. And doing it so in a way where everything is done without transparency, the Pfizer, for example, the Pfizer contracts with governments are super, even tighter than the TPPA, and yet a lot of the people who are supposedly green uh, or profess the liberal stakes are okay with this because they've been told, oh no, it's in the interest of the humans. No, it's not. It's in the interest of corporate profits. If you wanted a proper COVID response, that, that idea that they could make a profit would have been kicked in touch, but it wasn't. Ditto. It was utilised to roll out a mass surveillance state, and that is in conjunction with the geospatial mapping, which I have detailed in detail, has happened throughout New Zealand without anybody thinking, wow, that's a big deal, or it creating the big sink that it should be. It's happened at the same time when we've seen a 5G rollout, which is the critical infrastructure, not just here in New Zealand, but worldwide. And that is a critical infrastructure for an AI system, which allows them to control all these automated facial recognition systems and tracking items. This all happened all at once. And these were all from people like John Pilch, and he does his book, The Dirty War in the NHS, in the NHS and he points out, and then in 2016, they, they conducted studies that were fully aware that COVID, or something like COVID was likely to occur. And he points out that the NHS then turned around, having knowing this, they chose to respond by cutting 25,000 beds from the NHS, knowing that they were about to have a pandemic epidemic. Because he points out that at that particular point, when they realised that there was a threat looming, just like the threat was looming with, with climate change, instead of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to start planning a response so that we can all get together and we can all hold hands and, and actually do this as a one global planet for the better of the whole wider planet. No, no, at that point, they already had already worked out that when it was going to occur, they were going to use it to advance their ability to make more profit and advance their control. And they had analysts and they had people who look at large amounts of data and huge quantities and they're paid staggering amounts of money to look very, very deep into these issues. And that's how they stay on top. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, father worked for the oil industry, Halliburton, and he said, you know, if you go to the Middle East and you want to know what's going on, you, you can be like the media and you can go down to the bars and get the rumours and find out what's everything happened day after it's actually happened. Or you can be like the government and you can, you know, hang around the, the embassy bars and the embassies and you can find out what's going to happen today. Or you can be like the corporations and you can be in the business knowing what's going to happen tomorrow because that's how you stay on top. And that's how businesses and corporations are designed. And so this is again this issue of there doesn't have to be a conspiracy. That, oh my God, they've planned this all. It's not that issue. It's more a case of that corporations understand what are the trends that are likely to occur and then they set up exit strategies and threat risk response to maximise their profits because that's how they roll, baby.
And this is what happened when, happened when, when, when the COVID occurred, was that instead of it being, as I said, a situation where the corporations decided that, you know what, they were going to be good guys today and they weren't going to make any profits and they were only going to do the right thing. No, they did. You look at people like Dominic Cummings, um, advisor to Boris Johnson. Remember, remember, remember all those people out there that really hate the Donald Trumps and the Boris Johnsons. Let's not forget who was on watch when these of crises occurred. These are the very people. That was Donald Trump that decided to sign off on a COVID response where there would be no transparency, no accountability. He was the one that turned around and said, yeah, Pfizer, go ahead and knock yourselves out. It was Boris Johnson that did exactly the same thing and he was advised by Dominic Cummings, who then created a civil war within the government scientific advisory body, the SAGE, because they pointed out that the response had been hijacked by the corporate lobbyists. And that is not conspiracy theory, that is fact. And that goes to the same issue that we deal with the climate change issue. It's not the issue isn't about one or the other. It is the system itself that is wrong. The inherent lack of accountability and transparency that corporations have that allow them to continuously to grow unchallenged and unchecked. And that is what's going to be the death of us. And that will be what will kill and burn this planet to a crisp in the end. And I'm going to go out today with... Uh, Louis Armstrong's It's a Beautiful World. Have a good morning. Take care, everyone. And this is Ben Vigin on Fresh FM, The Dead Lunch Report. I see trees of green Red roses too I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself what a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry much more than I never knew and I think to myself what a wonderful world yes I think to myself what a wonderful The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand.
The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community Access Media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.